You're listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. Right now, the biggest problem is it's it's difficult for developers to even build this stuff, let alone for users to use it. So as you see the ecosystem improve, you're going to see the development expand pretty rapidly. I think it's going to be awesome to see as, as these things get improved this year, how much faster the development happens. As I think as the usability side moves forward, as the developer usability side moves forward, and as the scalability side moves forward, you're going to see actual real products get launched. We are joined by Robbie Bent, the COO of Truebit. Truebit is a computational marketplace that aims to help blockchain scale. You will hear Robbie talk about the computational limits of Ethereum and other blockchains, and how the Truebit team has developed an off-chain solution for applications building on top of Ethereum to reduce costs while managing larger workloads. With Ethereum, the more computation you want to do, the more you'll have to pay for this compute. The amount of computations are measured in a separate unit called gas. Put simply, it is cheaper and faster to run a blockchain application through Truebit rather than pay the gas fees directly on Ethereum. Truebit is an exciting project that has received funding from top-tier crypto investors, including Andreessen Horowitz and Polychain Capital. But Truebit has held off on launching an ICO to focus on building a grassroots community of loyal blockchain developers. Truebit does not currently have a token, but may in the near future, so stay tuned with this exciting project. Okay, Robbie, welcome to Token Talks. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Robbie Bentz. I'm uh, the COO and first employee of Truebit. So far in charge of leading uh, the community initiative, investor relations, uh, team building exercises. And why did you get into crypto? So... Really interesting story. I actually didn't know anything about crypto two years ago. I was working on a hardware startup in Israel. Uh, I knew the guys from Polychain from Prior Ventures and was approached by uh, Ryan Zur. He made it clear that there was some really special stuff happening and that it was worth taking a look uh, and introduced me to a few of the Polychain portfolio projects. It was a very unique fit because in crypto, you're seeing for the first time, I think, um, academics coming into the space with uh, little production or, or general startup experience. So things like uh, team building, community building, even things as uh, simple as like technical screens uh, are new. And so I was partnered or at least initially introduced to Jason Teutsch, the founder of Truebit, and our skill sets were sort of completely um, complimentary. Uh, so Jason's an amazing uh, mechanism designer, uh, has a great handle on incentives, uh, he's a professor. He was in the Pratik Saxena's group at the University of Singapore and had designed the Truebit protocol. Uh, and, you know, I started talking with him uh, for a couple of weeks and I, I noticed that there was actually for somebody who is less technical, a massive role here, which was surprising. Uh, and when I started, Truebit was a, a white paper. And after talking with him for a while, I realized like how valuable my, my skill set could be here and, and also realized how many smart people were working uh, on these problems and how passionate they were. And it was really, for me, something unique because it was a chance to work on research in an open source manner while also um, trying to produce things. Uh, and that was something that I'd never seen before. So what is Truebit and what are the problems that you're solving? So... The problems we're solving are related to blockchain scalability. We're targeted at uh, computational size. Uh, this relates to a number of issues. So you know, imagine you wanted to do computation in the web world. 
your computation is being done uh, by Amazon Web Services EC2. It's being run on a single piece of hardware. It's extremely efficient, extremely uh, cost-effective. So now let's move over to what is Ethereum. So now you're putting a piece of computation into the cloud on, onto Ethereum, you know, and 20,000 nodes are running this computation. So it's extremely uh, inefficient and expensive. So why would anyone ever want to do this? Well, it gives you these properties of uh, transparency, decentralization, trust, uh, immutability. So when you're putting computation out, it's guaranteed to run. So, you know, how do you then take this type of system and add, uh, make it more performant? Right, allow it to do more things. So what Shruva is doing is taking a larger computation that won't fit within the block gas limit and moving that computation off chain. So instead of you know 20,000 nodes running this computation, a single solver is now running that computation and a handful of verifiers. So now how do we do that? So you know let's assume you're a task issuer and you want to run uh, a program, an arbitrary program. So maybe you want to verify video transcoding or maybe you want to iterate through a table of votes. You would post a program and its inputs uh, to TrueBit along with uh, a payment. That program and inputs would be run off-chain by uh, a selected solver who would also have to post a deposit. And 99.9% .9 of the time, you expect the solver to act uh, honestly and, or act in their favor and present the solution back on-chain for the task issuer. So in this case, everybody's happy. Uh, it was relatively efficient. The task issuer uh, receives their result and things are good. Now, how do you know that the solver doesn't cheat? So at the same time, you enable a pool of verifiers to check the solver solution. And if they see there's an error, they're able to challenge, right? And, and so the challengers also need to put up a deposit. And so you have these deposits that you can punish uh, to sort of uh, provide the incentives that, you know, to get people to act the way you want. Um, now let's assume somebody challenges, how do you determine who's correct using the main Ethereum chain? because on the main chain, you couldn't run the size of computation uh, in the first place. So this is the first unique property of TrueBit. We call it uh, the verification game. The second unique part is what we call the forced errors. So if you think of you know, that, that computation layer of running the programs, the dispute resolution layer of running this binary search to find the specific part where they disagree, the next part is called the incentive layer. So it's you know, why do people actually come to this system and, and run it? And so. The task issuer uh, pays to have their task run. The solver receives a small reward, but if the solvers know verifiers are going to continuously check and they'll be punished for cheating, they're never going to cheat. And as a result, the verifiers will stop showing up. The system's not in equilibrium. So the next sort of second major innovation at TrueBit is the, is the introduction of these forced errors. So every time the solver commits to a solution, they'll have to submit uh, both an incorrect and correct solution. And in a probabilistic manner, they will designate uh, a forced error, let's say one in a thousand times, and they'll commit to the incorrect solution. And any verifiers that um, you know, notice that error and challenge it will win a jackpot. So everyone that's part of the, the TrueBit ecosystem, um, why are they incentivized to play a role in this ecosystem? So you talked about the solver, the verifier, people asking for the computational uh, resources. You know, are they formerly Ethereum miners that are coming over to do this? Or what, what's their incentive for joining your network? Yes, yeah, so the incentive is to be paid for compute power. It could be Ethereum miners. It could be uh, proof-of-stake validators from other systems. Uh, building up a mining network is something we'll work on in a very similar manner to, to Filecoin. So starting with an early-stage mining program, um, you know, getting people on board to, to be paid a return for providing their compute power to the network. 
And so you, t- you touched upon Ethereum gas and why that's limited in scaling. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about what is Ethereum gas and why is it constraining? Yeah, so uh, Ethereum gas is a, is a cost to run computation on the Ethereum system. It's a, it's a measuring unit. And each opcode that's run uh, actually has this, this gas attached that people need to pay. And it's, it's, you know, one of the reasons it's there is to uh, solve the halting problem. So when a, before a program is run, you can't arbitrarily tell if it is going to uh, halt or not. And so gas allows um, the payment uh, of, for compute power as it's used. What does it mean for Truebit to be a computational marketplace? Or how would you describe what a computational marketplace is? Yeah, so uh, for a computational marketplace, it just means that a task issuer is able to post a program and have that program run and post that program with the fee. And then, you know, solvers and verifiers can show up and based on the fee, decide to run the program or not. And is that fee by going through Truebit lower than it would be if they just went through the Ethereum protocol and the gas fees? Yeah, so there's actually no way to do this uh, via the Ethereum protocol because of the block gas limit. So what we're trying to provide is, is, is two things. One, it should be much cheaper just because instead of the entire network running the computation, you have a small, small subset, uh, orders of magnitude smaller than, than the entire network. And then you're actually able to run the computation, which is, which is more important. So it allows you to scale at a cheaper rate and in a way that you couldn't do it just using the Ethereum block rate. Yeah, I think it, the way to look at it is, uh, is providing more computation power to the Ethereum world computer, allowing for things in the future like um, you know, on-chain voting, uh, video transcoding, potentially machine learning, a whole bunch of other things we haven't thought through. What are some of the t- projects that are too computational heavy to run on Ethereum that need these off-chain scaling solutions? Yeah, so for now, we're just we're really minimizing our marketing. Uh, the only thing we're doing is discussing uh, at conferences and then any demos we do, we, you know, we video them and then we release them and we, we release detailed blog posts about what we're doing. And so at these conferences, we've met a lot of the teams that have computational challenges. And so we'll reach out to them and, and it's very high touch at this point. So, you know, interviews with the entire team, uh, pair programming, where we'll walk through the GitHub with the team and then, you know, architecture design. And so some of the early projects we've discussed were LivePeer, which is a, a video um, broadcaster and transcoder. So imagine a sort of decentralized YouTube or decentralized CDN type where a um, broadcaster will film a video, uh, submit the video, and the video needs to be transcoded to other formats. Now, there's no centralized party there. So if the transcoder shows up and submits the wrong file and takes the payment. How do you prove that you know that file is incorrect? So in this case, you could take a small segment of the transcoder's program, submit it to Truebit, and verify that it was indeed uh, correct using Truebit and the Ethereum base chain as like again the Supreme Court. So that's a, a really good example. We're working on a POC with them, as I mentioned. Uh, other examples where you might need computation as a primitive uh, off-chain voting. So right now, well, on-chain voting. So if you wanted to iterate through a table of you know a thousand votes and just determine tally the votes and determine you know what were the results, that actually can't be done uh, on-chain. So that's something, you know, a, a program that could be passed off-chain to, to Truebit to tally those votes. Uh, so we're working with Aragon uh, to see if we can come up with a solution. Anywhere, basically, where you would need compute, uh, there'll likely be use case for Truebit. There could be also uh, some of these games that are coming out. So right now, the initial games like CryptoKitties are super simple. But as those games start to need computation and trustless computation, Truebit could be a perfect engine. And it's Truebit platform agnostic? Yeah, Truebit's platform agnostic. We're, we're only focused on the Ethereum ecosystem at the moment, but the Truebit protocol will work for any base chain. 
where uh, a large number of nodes need to process every transaction. And it's TrueBit consensus mechanism agnostic, so proof of work versus proof of stake. Yes, and on top of that, TrueBit has its own uh, consensus mechanism called unanimous consensus. And so as long as there's one honest verifier for each transaction, uh, they are able to challenge. So where Nakamoto consensus requires 51% uh, of honest nodes and you know proof-of-stake algorithms to some degree require uh, two-thirds honest nodes, um, TrueBit requires only one uh, honest person participating per transaction. So as long as there's one person running the computation correctly and challenging, uh, you always end up with the right answer. So to some degree, we believe this has stronger security properties. And how does TrueBit make money? Yeah, so for now, we're expecting to operate in a similar manner to Ethereum. Uh, the TrueBit system will likely have a token for a number of reasons. One, it allows us to operate on uh, any underlying blockchain and utilize a, a large pool of computation power that can be called on by any layer one blockchain. Two, it allows us to um, not be limited by this jackpot. So right now, you know, this is getting a little deeper into the weeds, but the jackpot itself, uh, assume it's at a size of 100. If somebody wins that jackpot and it decreases, and then somebody comes with a larger task, there's going to be no incentive for verifiers to challenge that larger task because there's not enough in the jackpot uh, to pay them out. So the size of the computation is actually bounded by the size of the jackpot. And that leads to some security properties and, and limited scalability properties we don't like. So with our own token, we instead of having uh, a standard jackpot, we could burn and mint based on the amount of the, the current task. So the, you know, having a token allows us more flexibility in terms of moving onto different layer one base chains and also uh, with the size of computation that can be done. And then, you know, the, the business model uh, from our standpoint is to uh, have a token very similar to uh, Ethereum where the entity itself holds some of those tokens. And, and what are the near-term priorities for TrueBit? So the near-term priorities are to launch product. We've been really focused um, on building things. TrueBit actually, the origin story was, uh, it was a solution to the Dogecoin Ethereum bridge. Uh, the solution was initially proposed by Vitalik in terms of uh, verifying script interactive offline. In his calculations, he assumed it was costing 400 million gas to do 120 transactions to do the script verification on-chain. Script is the proof-of-work algorithm for Dogecoin, and if you're creating a bridge, you would lock your Doge, and then an Ethereum smart contract would mint Ether Doge. And Vitalik's the biggest problem was verifying the script proof-of-work algorithm to, to make sure these, these locked transactions were legit. That problem led to Jason and Christian Reitweisner, who created the creator of Solidity, uh, to, to meet and then create the TrueBit white paper. And so we've sort of said, okay, that was the first thing we we're going to build. We've actually built that. It's on Rinkeby Testnet, the ability to lock Doge and verify uh, whether Doge transactions are legit uh, via TrueBit is uh, up and running. And that's not the entire TrueBit system. Instead of using uh, generalized WebAssembly tasks, we're only verifying this, this script proof of work. So, you know, it can only be used for that specific use case. And then the system is run altruistically. So the Dogecoin miners would actually run uh, these TrueBit validators, in this case, as a service for Dogecoin, and validate transactions. So every transaction that comes in would be validated, and there will never be any forced errors or payments for these validators. So it's, it's a very small subset of TrueBit showing that you know, script can be verified off-chain, and we can actually run these verification games to pinpoint this single step and run it on the Ethereum main chain. 
So that was sort of step one. Step two is, is a very similar manner, but using WebAssembly. So it's building out this computation layer and dispute resolution layer, of which we're sort of at prototype stage. So we're hoping to launch, um, you know, as our next product, a working version of Truebit with the live peer protocol. Uh, again, running the nodes altruistically without the incentive layer. So that's sort of the next steps. We're hoping to launch something in the next few months. And who are your competitors? So there's no there's nobody particularly competing, uh, you know, doing off-chain verification in the manner that, that we are right now. There are a number of off-chain computation solutions like Golem, uh, iExec, and Sonom. Uh, they're all sort of tackling the problem in a different way. Truebit is, is guaranteeing security. So, you know, we're, we're guaranteeing you get the right answer. And right now we're, we're uh, a solution for deterministic computation things that you know where you, you get the same answer every time um golem is targeting cgi rendering i believe is the first use case and they're focused more on probabilistic verification um, and tell us about your fundraising both past and future plans yeah so last year we um had the idea to do an ico many competitors including uh, golem and iExec went in that direction and it was a very you know it seemed at the time to be a good way to build community uh, and bootstrap a project and we actually decided against that uh, early this year we took a hard look at a lot of the uh, telegram channels and uh, speculative communities that are developed around certain projects and, and felt that it was maybe and this, you know, is a bit counterintuitive to the space, but felt that wasn't in our best interest. And so we decided that moving a bit more slowly, uh, raising a small private round would give us more flexibility to determine the incentives for the network uh, to get a, a small set of miners on board, a small set of applications, uh, and be completely focused on, on that aspect. And so we've actually just raised from a few top tier VCs uh, and are, are moving slowly towards our plans of getting a demo out with LivePeer. And that was from Polychain and Andreessen? Yeah. Uh, so Polychain and Andreessen were our initial uh, backers. Tell us about the TrueBit community and how you went about building it. Yeah, so there's a few a few things that we did. We, we tried to build the community within the space to start. And it, you know we, we did a bunch of things that, that didn't scale, uh, including a lot of one-to-one -one conversations. So when I started at Truebit, the first thing I did was reach out to uh, the community managers at, at pretty much every single project to interview them on best practices and what worked in terms of you know either launching an ICO or building their community or launching their products and learned a lot. And, and as a result of that, we created a Telegram channel called the Community of Communities. Uh, and it's a place where Community managers from any project are welcome to come and ask for help and ask for, you know, distribution of their messaging or uh, questions around, you know, what chat platform to use or, you know, what type of events to run or how to engage your community. It's, it's the response has been awesome. It's a place where people in a, in a non-threatening and non-competitive environment can come and discuss their projects. So, so that was really interesting and unique way. And what we found is that any of these projects that sort of focus on giving back have gotten an awesome response. So another thing we did was something called ETHPRIZE. So last year, as we were building out our architecture, we started reaching out to teams to figure out, you know, what kind of tools they were relying on, how they were architecting their clients, um, amongst a number of other things. And what we found from teams was everyone sort of had a different tool chain. 
and everybody was facing different problems and there wasn't a lot of documentation for you know how to build more complex smart contracts and we also noticed there was a lot of complaints about uh, building on top of ethereum and so we shared that information with the ethereum foundation with the ecf and a number of other people providing grants and it turned into something called eth prize and so far half a million dollars has been donated to an open source block explorer and uh, a, a package manager in these like active uh, in an active bounty format, and so using those you know using those interviews has also uh, brought us closer to a large number of projects in the space. Where again, you know, finding out what everybody needs and then sharing um, in a sort of collaborative manner uh, again, you know, kind of it had a really good effect. So those are those are two examples, and then finally. Another interesting thing we did, the, the Doge Ethereum bridge actually had a, a bounty attached to it. There was a random uh, anonymous donor two years ago that donated and, and the amount of the bounty grew to over a million dollars this year. And so we were awarded a large chunk of that for this Doge Ethereum uh, off-chain piece and we donated it to an artist. And the artist himself is going to build a real life representation of the Doge Ethereum bridge. Uh, imagine a, a 40 foot high Klein bottle. People can go inside. It's a, it's a crazy shape where the inside is this, the inside and the outside are the same material made of aluminum polycarbonate that will be uh, in Vancouver over the summer. And this is a way to grab artists and people who might not be developers or understand crypto to, to get more involved uh, via art. As a result of this, a community of 300 artists has sort of propped up around her, uh, all sort of collaborating to put their own installations within this massive installation. So I think, again, just sort of creative ways that are targeted at giving back is the way we do marketing. You know, we don't really have a community manager or do any marketing aside from just talking technically about uh, what we're building and then also trying to give back uh, to the rest of the space through these sort of uh, ancillary projects. That's great. I, I really appreciate the approach, and I just can continue to hear great things about the Tribute community and the team um, from so many different sources and ecosystems. So obviously, um, your very inclusive uh, community building approach has, is, is working really well. Um, so what, what is the relationship between Truebit and the Ethereum Foundation? Is there an active dialogue? Are you, you know, uh, sharing code? You know, what, what's that relationship like? Yeah, there's definitely there's a fantastic relationship. We've had... Discussions with Vitalik on many occasions with the new director, Aya, with John Choi, uh, with Albert Nee, who's just started there. So their entire team has been super open and, and happy to, you know, have another protocol building on top that allows for scalability. So they're happy to discuss how we can integrate. They've made their developers available. There's been a ton of back and forth on ETHPRIZE and, and us sharing around, you know, where there could be improvements to the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, so we've been very lucky to have them as a partner. Tell me more about the TrueBit team. Yeah, so initially we started um, decentralized. It's very difficult to find all these different skill sets, and we're very diverse. So, you know, uh, Christian Reitweisner was a co-writer of the paper. He created Solidity, has been at Ethereum since the beginning, and is, is you know, one of the best Solidity programmers in, in the world. Uh, he's, you know, both PhD, so from a research background plus a production background. We have uh, another PhD researcher from Finland, and you know he's built the entire uh, WebAssembly off-chain architecture, and then we have Jason, who was a professor, uh, also a PhD, so super high-powered in the mechanism design, game theory, uh, algorithmic complexity, and a bunch of other crazy stuff. He's published forty papers. Then we have uh, two production engineers. One's seen as the the lead engineer. He's uh, from Omada Health, uh, an Andreessen-backed company. He built the data engineering pipeline there. 
And then myself, uh, I'm an entrepreneur with uh, two hardware startups under the belt. So experience building teams, community, raising funds, finding product market fits, and then delivering uh, delivering on time within a budget. Uh, and then Harley, who's a, a junior engineer uh, who just just loves to code. And, and everyone's based in different places. So you know, Germany, Finland, San Francisco, Toronto, Texas, uh, Alabama. Uh, and as we started, we, you know, to kind of build culture, we were doing uh, monthly hackathons. So the entire team would go somewhere for four or five days, work like, you know, 15 hours a day to see how people work together in a really um, high pressure environment and then have some type of reward. And I think like building culture in an early stage team is something that's overlooked here because all these other teams have pretty much unlimited money and are also working on challenging problems. So how do you get people committed to your team? And I think having some of these external things like you know the Doge Ethereum bridge and something else we'll talk about, the, the Mary Merkel project that taps into people's passions is, is how you um, attract the best and then make sure people are happy and, and willing to continue to work on your team. We realized while we're remote, we were really having a lot of fun at these hackathons and wouldn't it be cool if we all just lived together and sort of did remote but together and so you know for us we're trying to build grassroots uh, a grassroots following amongst developers so we came to San Francisco we rented a, a beautiful house in uh, Marin County in, in Mill Valley and the idea was that it was close enough to San Fran to be in the action but you know kind of far enough to provide a, a break in, in nature and we had people come out every weekend and do seminars and all live together and really really bonded and now we're going to do the same thing in Berlin in the summer so I think it's a really unique it's not scalable or something that you can do forever as the team gets larger but I think it's a really unique unique way to to start building culture in that first those those first core team members. So what does it take to be one of the participants in your community? Um, you know how much you know computational resources are required? Uh, what does that participation look like? You know what can they expect to earn? Yeah, so for now, running WebAssembly tasks can actually be done in the browser. Uh, you know, so the traditional WebAssembly is used to run uh, games and sort of high performance computation in the browser on the client side instead of server side. So WebAssembly is, is very lightweight, portable, fast. Uh, so yeah, we expect initially to just users will be able to use CPUs uh, to run like verification and, and transcoding tasks. So again, all of these tasks aren't really heavy. It's not like proof of work mining with these crazy algorithms. They're not heavy computationally. They just can't be done by thousands of nodes. Uh, so it's very actually unique. I think you know a number of users with their laptops initially can provide uh, some evidence that the network works. And then as the as computation increases and the applications um, volume increases, then we may have to step up. But initially, you know, a number of users with their laptops uh, should provide the, the, the first networks. So some of the larger blockchains that are coming to market in the next year or two, you mentioned Affinity, Zilliqa, claim really high uh, transaction throughputs or transactions they can process per second. Do you think protocols like that uh, will still need to use Truebit as an off-chain solution, or does the number of transaction throughput, uh, you know, change the the dynamics here of the computational resources required? Yeah, the amount of transaction throughput isn't isn't so relevant. So it's it's more how many validators are part of a transaction, and so as long as you have multiple validators and can reduce that validator number of validators to a subset, Truebit adds value in reducing cost. And then as long as there's this, you know, some type of verification required by all the other parties, uh, there's also advantages to Truebit. Do you have any sense yet of the scale of which Truebit reduces cost? Is it 2x, 5x? Oh, I think it's an order of magnitude. So in Ethereum, if you know there's 20,000 nodes, I, I'm not sure what the uh, current amount is, but let's assume there's 20,000 nodes running a transaction and you're reducing that to six. 
there's a there's a order of magnitude. It's not it's not even you know hey how much does this reduce costs? It's like you can't even do this on Ethereum right now. Uh, so we see like in the near term a very strong use case that exists now that's enabling some of these DApps that wouldn't be able to work without uh, Trubit. As more and more computational resources comes towards Trubit, does Trubit have limits? So right now, the only thing, the only limit is the size of this jackpot. And with the token, we assume that we were able to bypass that. Uh, and then, you know, there's a few other things It's getting more deep into the weeds. But when you run this verification game, the amount of back and forth between the challenger and the solver is O log N. So if you had, you know, a computational program that was millions of steps, the amount of time that that verification would take could be a bottleneck. However, there's the potential to actually put the solver and verifier in a state channel, which is like really, really interesting because then that verification game is not happening on chain. So you could essentially have uh, the back and forth be instant and you could have uh, the computational cost of doing that would be effectively close to zero. Um, so that's something we're experimenting with also, which should give uh, Trubit kind of infinite scale. Can one node be both the solver and verifier, or do you see them going back and forth or choosing one, you know, one role to play in the community? Yeah, so the solver and verifier are effectively doing the same thing. They're just solving computational tasks and, and posting the results. And so, you know, the, the software, the client software would actually be the same. People can choose uh, in the current version, the solver is selected at random from the pool of verifiers, but, but the pool is the, is the same. Could someone who's not technical be a solver and be a verifier pretty easily in your ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the goal is that anyone can open up a program on their machine and, and immediately start running this client uh, by setting, hey, here's, here's my minimum deposit, here's the expected timeout, and, and selecting a few other parameters. But, you know, they should be able to, the goal is to make this easy to run for anybody. That's really exciting. And what is something you want people listening to the podcast today to remember about Truebit? You know, I, I think I'd like people to remember that we're trying to go about things in a, in a sort of counterintuitive manner where we focus on a small application first, build the team uh, to build that application uh, and do it in a collaborative, uh, cohesive manner. And so I think, you know, for people listening to remember is that the entire ecosystem is working together collaboratively to solve some of these problems. And it's, it's a very friendly um, and awesome environment to be a part of. And how can our listeners follow the progress of Truebit? Yeah, so you can follow us on uh, Trubit, uh, Trubit.io, uh, Trubit Protocol on Twitter, and um, Medium slash Trubit. What are some of the important themes you're observing in crypto today? So as I said, I think there's like a move towards collaboration. And things have always been open, but right now you're starting to see more people work on tools. Uh, ETHPRIZE was, was a great example of that. We've seen a lot of people move from you know, starting their own projects and working on ICOs to, you know, trying to help existing projects. And some of the problems that we found in the ETHPRIZE interviews have led to a large number of developers kind of standing up and offering to help. And it's really great to see people working on improving the actual ecosystem and the developer tools instead of, you know, trying to work, spread the, spread the talent super thin by working on their own projects and doing ICOs. So that's really cool. I also think that there's a, a large trend. People are taking this stuff more seriously. So since the year started, you've seen a move from all the major VCs in Silicon Valley into the space. You're starting to see uh, talent from a lot of the large uh, companies, you know, the Googles and Facebooks and Amazons uh, of the world um, moving into the crypto space or getting interested. You know, last year around this time, it was very difficult for us uh, to, to get the attention of these types of engineers. 
this year, last week, we were actually invited to uh, give a talk to the WebAssembly community group, which is a group of all the engineers working on uh, the browsers at the big four. And we had a full hour to discuss what blockchains need from WebAssembly. And there was a, you know, a massive interest from, from this group of engineers. So I think you're seeing the start or a tipping point of really talented people from the traditional web moving into the space. Uh, I also think you're seeing a movement of, you know, kind of distributed systems experts and academics that are launching projects. So I think there's a lot, maybe we'll call it like the fourth wave of, of crypto is what I, what I heard. Uh, I heard that term yesterday. So I think this, this is the year when uh, a lot more people take this stuff seriously. And in the crypto space, what are some of the projects you're personally most excited about? Uh, there's so many. I think a lot of the layer one stuff is super interesting. People are trying to solve the same problems in different ways. Uh, I really like the team at Definity. It's, it's really interesting to see them take a whole holistic view of designing a layer one blockchain. So, you know, using the, the WebAssembly VM, um, building this Primea layer on top of that virtual machine, uh, the ability to hire world-class engineers from, uh, you know, to the traditional web has also been impressive. Uh, I love Ethereum. It's exciting to see what, what they're going to launch this year. I think state channels uh, will be up and working. It seems like there's been a lot of movement towards uh, a first version of, of Plasma. Um, so I just think there's a lot of uh, awesome stuff happening. And 2018 may be the year of the platform. You mentioned Definity, Ethereum, Polkadot. Um, how do you think about you know who's really positioned well here? So, I mean, you, you know, you can look at team and, and capital and then community. And so I think they're all positioned well and they've all raised significant funds. So it's not going to be a, a problem, you know, a traditional startup problem of, hey, can we get product market fit? Can we get funding before we die? It's, hey, we, we have funding. We have a very interesting problem. Uh, are some positioned better than others? You know, you could say one thing I'm interested to see, Ethereum clearly has the strongest community. You know, Consensus alone has 700 developers or so working on Ethereum. So it's, it'll be very interesting to see if some of these other layer one chains like, you know, Polkadot and Definity can uh, attract that developer mindshare. And if, you know, they do come up with a better, faster, safer system, if developers will move over or if the lock-in is already too great. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what happens there. And what are some predictions you have for the evolution of crypto? I don't, I don't like to give like, uh, you know, predictions, but I guess what I'm looking forward to seeing is an improvement in, in scalability first, usability second, and then developer usability third. So I think right now the biggest problem is it's, it's difficult for developers to even build this stuff, let alone for users to use it. So as you see the ecosystem improve with uh, better debuggers, you know, open source block explorer, things like a, a package manager, better testing frameworks and environments, more integrated toolset, easier to set up toolchain, uh, you're going to see the development expand pretty rapidly. Right now, developing in Solidity is, is actually pretty difficult. It's hard to determine when there's an error, what that error even is, and it leads to, you know, even setting up the toolchain can take days sometimes. So I think it's going to be awesome to see as, as these things get improved this year, how much faster the development happens. And then on the usability side, you know, I think a lot of the front-end UI UX designers are starting to come together. There's an awesome conference at EdCon and a, a discussion put on by uh, the Kyokin guys afterwards around like improving design in the space. So, you know, for users to use this stuff, it's how do we manage our, our private keys? That's something completely different than a traditional, you know, login and password. As I think as the usability side moves forward, as the developer usability side moves forward, and as the scalability side moves forward, you're going to see actual real products get launched. And what mix of crypto assets do you own personally? 
So I've invested in a few of the early stage VCs in Polychain just just through knowing them. I'm I'm super comfortable. I think they get access to the the best the earliest stage deals. Um, so very excited there to have somebody manage this stuff for me. And then of course I own uh, some Ethereum and, and a couple ICOs. Uh, I was an early investor in Zillica as well. I'm excited by the team there that I didn't mention. Um, that's pretty much it. Oh, Coinbase as well. I think Coinbase is an amazing project. So the crypto market is $350 billion today of total market cap. Uh, at what valuation do you think it'll end the year? I mean, take my prediction with a grain of salt. I actually have no idea. But, you know, if I venture to guess, I think there's still a ton of institutional money on the sidelines. So I think from what I've heard, there's a number of uh, large hedge funds and, and asset managers that are looking to get some exposure to the space. And as the regulatory environment becomes more clear for these players, I think you could easily see a lot more money come into the space. Uh, again, on the flip side, if there was a global recession, maybe maybe that's the exact opposite. But I just think from a demand supply standpoint, there's still a ton of money that's been restricted that you know is likely to come into the space at some point. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, blockchain ecosystem is still far from production-ready state in terms of scalability and usability. Two, with that said, scalability solutions will hopefully be implemented in the next 12 to 24 months, with Truebit leading the way. And three, Truebit is a platform-agnostic protocol that helps offload computational work to allow for the most cost-efficient scaling. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc.